Renegade coaches in the building. Yeah, we on. We on live. Uh oh. Where we on live at? Facebook. Where we at? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. yeah say something. Facebook. Don't act like you don't talk to okay. Playbacks. Playback sound. Playback studios. Yes, we're somewhere else. We're not at Playback Studio today. Where we did that? They got like undisclosed location. Oh, we at 52 Farley Street. We ain't got to tell anybody where we at just in case they get mad. I mean, what's going on? Ain't these gonna get an address? So why would you say where we at? If you don't want to know where we at. Ebony's here and like, uh, <laughs> my wife is here in the audience. Yeah, there you go. This cat right here. Renegade coach. Hey, hey, put that informal on. You know, come out whenever what we happened? do our thing. Oh, here we go. He be telling too much all Let's the time. Started. That's my man. What anyway, happened? we happy to have y'all tonight. This is our first broadcast. Live. Live. And we are downtown ATL. Um, our show's been dope. We had a whole lot of folks uh, checking us out. Uh-huh. We're grateful. True. Um, you know, Kamal has been this the is star of the show. show. Thank you so about much. About the fire on the night. maintained. <laughs> yes. Things going. Yes. People show up. They stop me in the street. They go like, yeah. "Yo, that dude you work with though. Stop What's going on with that? Like <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. get you can't get somebody better." Stop, like, talking, yeah. stop talking about Balagoon. That's what man. Oh man. <laughs> you, you're dope. You're Balagoon on play. You know what I'm saying? You, you got you got his life insurance in order. Okay. So tonight we talking about El Hodge Malik Shabazz. True. True. We're talking about um, the topic is. Could a Detroit um, Red become a Malcolm X in today's era? Era, of yes. Like social media, yes. the way yes. organizing is happening. You know, today. I mean, a few days ago was the actual day that Malcolm X was assassinated, February twenty-first. Right. Uh, and so we wanted to have a larger conversation about not only the meaning of Malcolm, but could a Malcolm X type person be the leader that he was to us in the nineteen sixties uh, today? based on all the different things that you have to fight against or, or do even to be considered a leader today. Um, and what kind of leadership would that mean for us as a people? So we want to get into that with our special guests. At some point, we're going to break in and have folks from the audience. This is the first time we've had a little audience. Yes. We try to do something live, ask some people to come down. So we're going to get into all of that as we start this live broadcast of Renegade Culture. So give yourself a hand for coming on out and joining us. We appreciate that. Kamal got us in his undisclosed location, the back cave. No, it's 52 Farley Street. I told you that already. It's on the fifth floor. That's where he is, ladies and gentlemen. The elevators, there's no security. There's no security downstairs. I'm in Augusta. The elevators are working fine. And I think most people left their car open. I think yeah. everything is good. What's wrong? We see who will be in the house and who's in the building. Anyway, we want to have our guests introduce themselves tonight. Um, because of the fact that they have long bios, and I don't want to short nobody. And, and the first guest, the first thing she said, oh, we got some ballots on the panel today. Oh. She's a referee to make sure that there's always at least 80% sisters on board. 80%. <laughs> and true, and right We almost so. met our quota. Right for However, so. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have our sister now introduce herself. Uh, greetings, everybody. Hi. Hey. All right. Um, I'm here representing several different initiatives. I'm just really grateful to be here. Um, I'm the founder of the Sister Care Alliance. Uh, we promote self-care as a form of social justice and social justice as a form of self-care. I'm also the founder of the Self-Care Agency, Afro-Salsa Cultural Organization, and I'm also the head of business operations and community affairs for the Davis Bozeman Law Firm, which is a civil rights and personal injury law firm. That's just the works. That's right. right. We, the one thing we didn't get. The, the one thing we didn't get is your name. Yeah. What's your oh, name again? Oh, <laughs> my name is Anana Johari Harris Paris. Okay. Oh. All right. Give it up for Anana Johari Harris Paris. Next sister. 
Greetings, everyone. My name is Ra Kareem Kinsey, um, also known as Sister Ra in the community. Um, first of all, I, I'm amazed that you guys asked me to be on this panel with these folks here. <laughs> I'm going to uh, try to live up to all of that, but I'm glad to be here with you guys. Um, I am, I guess, a radio personality of, of sorts. I've been on WRFG for about 14 years now. Um, been doing radio about 21 years, and uh, also a professor of speech communications. Uh, I've taught at a few colleges here in the Atlanta area, um, and my area of work is usually within hip-hop, music, and culture as a rhetorical tool. So um, that being said, I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, thank yes. you so much. Yes. 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 Professor of Speech Communication. Yes. Can okay, you give so Falangi some training? <laughs> that's perfect for you. you yes, go, a special, special fee. He's right. very special. Right. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> he ain't going to pay no fee, though. Let me just put you now. <laughs> and our next guest? I'm Balogun Ojetade. Uh, the 21st is very special to me um, because that's also my birthday. Hey. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it, it was three years after, uh, because otherwise people, you know, would have been recognizing that I am the return of. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, many oh. people say that. Oh, wow. They say, you know, you're the return of, of Malcolm wow. X. <laughs> but I, I'm not one to brag. As we get into uh, it, it might be more Detroit Red than Malcolm X. <laughs> but uh, I'm, a, I'm a martial arts uh, instructor, I'm the founder of the African Martial Arts Institute. Uh, I'm an author, 31 books, uh, I believe 20 of those are fiction and then the rest are nonfiction. Um, what else? Uh, Co-chair of Urban Survival Preparedness Institute. Uh, I, the things that I do, uh, half of them I don't you know, talk about on the radio. You can come meet me, I don't want to come out and shut me down. Because <laughs> yeah, people get threatened. So. <laughs> That's him. That's me. Yes. All right, round of applause for our brother. Yes, 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 yes. So let's start. Okay, let's start. Okay, um, today, there's a lot going on. We, uh, we're in 2019, and in 2019, we all know that social media is heavy. We know that it's not really about, um, you know, what you're doing, it's about who likes you, literally, right? Mm -hmm. It's about how many smiley faces you can get, googly eyes, reposts, all that, that determines who you are. Um, well, I hired Malik Shabazz. He's a brother that came out organically, you know, from the whole Malcolm Little to the Detroit Red to El Hajj Malik El Shabazz. Do you all think that in this era that a Detroit Red can transform himself to a Malcolm with the current conditions, climates, and tools, and so on and so forth? So I, I, I do. However, I don't think that's the problem. One, that's a huge, uh, that, that's, that, those are some big shoes to fill talk about somebody being the next Malcolm X, uh, I believe somebody can come close, but it's really how the people deal with that person. Um, we don't really do our research with our leadership nowadays, right? So like you said, they're popular, so now you see celebrities being considered leaders. Uh, I've seen a, a guy, he's a leader just because he posts a lot of memes of other people's stuff. That doesn't translate to leadership, you know. Uh, but nowadays, so if those people can be leaders, certainly somebody that's really, um, but he'd have to get himself known. He'd have to get him a, a street team, 
to go out and, you know, get him some uh, Twitter likes and some, uh, you know, Instagram likes. But other than that, yeah, I believe Instagram follows, but I think it's possible. I don't think it's probable, but I think it's possible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what your purpose is, is your purpose no matter what time you're born in. I don't think that who you are to be, um, who you're destined to be, who you're destined to impact is going to change based upon a period of time. So whatever soul comes to bless us with the sacrifice of offering the type of leadership that uh, Malcolm X, Elhaj Malik al-Shabazz offered, then we're the better for it. And the challenges that are married to that period of time are what come to the table. And so that, that strength of that purpose that he had to overcome, first of all, I want to point out that for me, what always rang true is my dad raised me. And he was um, a formidable activist in his time and, and suffered a lot. Um, and we were raised on a lot of Malcolm's teaching as well as a lot of other teachings. And one of the things that was always pointed out to us was Malcolm's ability to be publicly transparent. You know, that takes a courage that is different than just standing in front of someone saying what your rights are. To change from one stage of who you are characteristically to another stage of who you are characteristically to another stage, um, shift who you're encircled with, put your life in danger at every level. Because even as, as Malcolm Little, his life was in danger, right? So that type of transparency takes courage. It takes leaders male or female, to be able to say, I'm changing. I'm on the spectrum of where God wants me to be. I'm on the spectrum of who I can grow into. And it's hard to find that type of courage because what's these in this period of time, it's there, but it's hard to see it. Because what's considered challenging today, right? There's some who start their activism on social media. They find the courage to lose friends and lose likes to be able to say something that is deemed unpopular and not cutting edge, right? That's a challenge for some because there are repercussions sometimes on their jobs, there are repercussions that you know, are heavy for them. Uh, in comparison to your life being in danger immediately, we can kind of argue you know, what is challenging now compared to what was challenging then. Um, so I think for me, it's really more about the, the courage that comes with being transparent, with saying, I was wrong, I was miseducated, um, I'm still learning, I submit myself to something greater than what's on Facebook, than what's on Twitter, and I'm not sure. That takes so much more courage as a leader. Um, and I look for that now. I look for people who are willing to publicly, whether it's online or not, say, I didn't know this. I'm learning more. Um, it, it, you know, what Maya Angelou say, when you know better, you do better. But you still have to be able to say, I'm doing better. I'm not there yet, but I'm doing better. So I think for this period of time, for any person to choose to evolve, for their soul to, to shift and be courageously transparent would be an amazing thing. But if that's their purpose, then being in 2019 would be no different than uh, some other period of time. It's a real solid answer. What y'all think about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I, I think if a person has a, a certain destiny, then they also have a responsibility. And, and, and the big responsibility is to be politically educated. If we have somebody that, so all the people that 
do have that courage to come up uh, and, and, and to stand up, if they don't have the proper political education, mm -hmm. then they become the tyrants. Mm -hmm. So just they, they can lead us to destruction as well, Yeah. right? So they have to become more politically astute. Uh, that's just my only big beef with, with all of them. You know, we got 31-star generals. We got all kinds of stuff out here. Um, and some of these people are very knowledgeable, but the politics are all jacked up. You know, so we, we need to become more politicized, like Malcolm was. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sis, why don't you jump in? Yeah, yeah um, I, I would agree with, with uh, both of my colleagues up here. Um, I think it is possible I think the issue is, uh, or the challenge as, as we've identified, um, if it is a young person who's coming up in this age of millennials, for them to understand who they are outside of the group is probably gonna be the challenge and being able to stick and hold to that. And that's where, as you mentioned, that purpose comes in. Um, I think there are a lot of dissenting voices coming in. Um, you may have a young person whose purpose is to be that per that leader in, in whatever aspect it is to be. However, with Malcolm, his world was a bit smaller than a young person now. Their world is massive and their world allows for everybody else's voice to come in when they're trying to figure out their own voice as well. So I think the challenge would be in this era of, of social media and all these other voices that are able to chime in is being able to tune out, stay the course, and remain focused. And that means you have to develop a, 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 a sense of self where you don't care how many likes you get. You don't care how many pictures are on Instagram. You don't care what your following is on YouTube. You know that you're here for a divine purpose and you keep moving forward to that. And so I think that might be the challenge for um, a young person coming up uh, in this day and age and in this era of so much social media input into our lives. Mm -hmm. I, th I mean, I think what's true, what, what I think about when, I, when, I, when we formed the question was, um, I know Malcolm was transparent. I thought that was like, that's important. But the reaction to the transparency today, of right? Course. Um, is uh, Malcolm was all, particularly when he was alive, it was a niche, right? Uh, mainstream media went after Malcolm, mainstream civil rights leaders went after Malcolm. Um, parts of the community, like, you know, shied away from his militant message. But I feel like today, folks would actually be out to destroy that image and not that they would even try to destroy that niche and make it so, whereas all these sort of social media things would try to ban them or get them off or, uh, make him not be able to be sort of the powerful leader that he is, or any any leader. Like we, yeah. uh, we we talk about. I mean, Malcolm. Somebody else just somebody just wrote a story recently uh, in the New York Times about now it's time to step out and and talk about Palestine and and uh, what's the, I forgot the sister's name that wrote the book. Um, talk about Palestine and and be out there. Uh, Can you imagine that if Malcolm X today and with some of the reactions that's happened to some other folks? Michael was one of the first people who came out and talked about Israel and Zionism. Uh, I just think like the reaction, how would the reaction be today? Would it knock him down? Would it like put him to a place where even our own community would turn against him? Yeah, I think that's, I think image lynching is the new lynching, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's done so masterfully and quickly these days. Um, some study how to, 
you know, publicly um, lynch you. And um, there's not enough of a um, strengthening support system to educate those who choose to step out there, right? Because that's a form of taking care of yourself and your own activism, is for you to say, I know this is not popular. I know this is going to be attacked. Um, what can I do to strengthen myself for this attack? You know, if you, if you look at uh, Malcolm's walk, his uh, bravest uh, moments in life uh, didn't necessarily include the numbers behind mm -hmm. him, but he still remained strategic. He still had to think to himself, you know, is there going to be a moment where, I'm assuming, is there going to be a moment where I'm unprotected? Yes. You know, is there going to be a moment where there's going to be attempts to, to lynch and assassinate me? Yes. Even in that, he still felt a responsibility, I'm sure, as many who put their neck out do, to um, do the best that he can to be able to protect himself so that the message can last longer. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And so I think the only way to combat these types of image-based lynchings is to begin documenting your perspective so that it's not just based on you physically being present to deliver it, and then also learning how to coalition build based upon what you actually agree with, right? There were many people that disagreed, but behind the scenes, you know, he had quiet support that was coalition-based, and these were people that he also learned from. And so a lot of times we are so isolated, you know, in our activism, and that's what social media promotes. It promotes this isolation and what you do. It's just your tweet. It's just your, you know, and when I do this, then I, you know, am able to have this impact. And so it's literally the opposite of strengthening yourself with others who may not, I mean, I know at this table we all will never agree on everything. It'll mm -hmm. never happen. But we're strengthened by this experience of coming together physically. So, you know, I would, I would hope that we as activists and how, at whatever level you are, you begin to uh, be more strategic in terms of how you take care of your activism by coalition building to combat this, this image-based lynching. It, even though we may never agree, I will always be right. So <laughs> in your world, that's all right. <laughs> all right, brother. It's all right. Okay. Well, Kamal, he's still on whatever he was on before. But anyway, um, what, what do you think about that, uh, Rob? Because I, I saw you looking like you was about to double dutch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get in there. Um, yeah, well, I think it was mentioned when you know better, you do better. Um, the thing is, being concerned about others allowing you to do better. And I think, you know, when you guys were on the show earlier this week, we talked about that uh, social media or digital footprint. And would folks pull up, oh, hey, look what you were into 10 years ago. How you gonna tell me about some, mm -hmm. you know, movement? How you gonna call yourself a leader? How you gonna, you know, carry yourself in this particular way when I know this is what you used to do on the block? And of course, we know that that's that's what Malcolm was. That's what he he came yeah. from. Um, but today, do we allow people to evolve mm -hmm. when we have the images, when we have the verbiage, when we have all those things from their past that we want to go back to and bring up and and uh, sort of, uh, as you said, image lynch? That would be the challenge. And as you said, keeping your coalition to, to a, a degree that you can still stand your ground despite 
whatever that digital footprint is of you that would say, nah, you, you're not credible. We don't, we don't believe you. This is what you used to be. This is what you used to do. Um, so I think even in Malcolm's being transparent, if you have someone now who is transparent with, this is where I came from, this is what I used to be, this is where I'm going now, yeah. I think that's going to be key so that people can't bring up, oh, you didn't tell us about this. Look, right, look right. what's yeah, here. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't listen to him. Let's image lynch him or her. Um, I think that's going to be a, a really big challenge for someone coming up in this era. As, as a victim of a 14-year Internet slander, um, organization and individually, I think that my motto's been that I don't acknowledge all bullshit. I think that part of our problem is it's an ego-driven situation as far as the whole internet situation as well. Most of us, and I, I can't speak for all the youth, of course, because I'm not a youth, but I think that when you're serious about what it is you're doing, or if you're serious about our liberation, you don't just indict a person based on what anyone says. The first thing is like, you know, we're dealing with things based off of principle. If it's a situation they say, uh, you know, such and such uh, stole some cookies or whatever, you know what I mean? There's um, there's, uh, it's like criticism, there's antagonistic and there's constructive, you know what I mean? So the same goes with, you know, how we deal with our people. Um, one thing that Kwame, Kwame Tori talked about was giving our people a chance, you know what I mean? He said, you, you, they come out there, they get it wrong, give them a chance. They get it wrong, give them a chance. After a while, you gotta offer them, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We understand like what Balagon was speaking on about the whole political education side. You have a lot of folks who mean well. You have a lot of folks who are courageous. But at the same time, if you don't know um, what the mission is, you, by default, you can destroy yourself and the whole. I think trying to figure out how do we how we can reach the youth and use the um, the, the lessons that have been taught to COINTELPRO, the different forms of counterinsurgency, as tools to understand how this thing goes. I think that it'll be a, be a clear situation. Everybody, like you say, we're not going to agree with. Everyone's not going to agree with everybody, and even in the audience, we're all not going to follow each other. That's cool. You know what I mean? My whole position is what, what's meant to hit you won't miss you, and what's meant to miss you won't hit you. So anyone that's, that's, that, if it's their, um, their divine decree that they're going to be a part of what it is we're doing, then it's going to happen. If not, then it just won't. And we can, we can package it however we want to, but at the end of the day, it's like either it is or it's not. If I may, I want to layer something on top of that. You know, when we talk about our people from um, this mass perspective, right? It's just like this cloud of black folks walking around, yeah. this monolithic, you know, group. I will say this. As black folks, we can tell when people love us or not. And we can tell when that love is superseding what it needs to supersede. So if you are in a position of leadership and you are not projecting a love of our people along with the willingness to educate them through what your personal journey has been, then it's obvious. For instance, if 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 something pops up and, and I tweet it, which I really horrible, so I'm going to put my little sad Twitter page, God bless you, Anana H. Paris. <laughs> Two R's. But if, you go to, <laughs> R's. but if you go back and you see something that I posted that you're like, wow, she was wilding out, right? I have to have enough love for what impact that had on you, whether 
I believe you should agree with it or not or believe it or not. I have to have enough love for what that does to people if I've held some position of leadership that has generated a degree of trust. You know, you have to see that there is an emotional impact. Um, I remember when I was um, younger, because I'm 44. Let y'all know. Yo, yo, was old as But I remember how aggravating it was to hear. Uh, for those, I'm telling my age for a reason. Um, to hear Charles Barkley do all the barking about, you know, I'm not a role model and don't look up to me and all this stuff. You know, it's very aggravating. Um, even though that's the reality, everybody doesn't want to accept you know, um, the responsibility of things, that's, you know, intellectually understandable, but emotionally, it hurts. And you, you, there's no way you're going to pretend like what we choose to do, whether you're in the public eye or a position of leadership, you, you're not going to be able to wish away uh, black folks being impacted emotionally by what you choose to do. Now, we have been forced to have thick skins. So, of course, we're going to, like, up there go another one. You know, we're going to move on to the next. But on the inside, when we're hoping and we're building a relationship with you in a position of leadership, if Renegade Culture, you know, decided in your position of leadership is media focused, but you also are doing work outside of this, this media format, right? If you decide to completely pivot and break a trust, then the love that you have for your people will supersede, and this is my assumption, right? It will supersede your desire from an egotistical standpoint to just post up and be like, deal with it. That's who I am, right? And the love is what people want. They don't want perfection. They want to know that you love us enough to talk to us like we mattered, like what you did mattered, and then walk us through this educational process of how you got to where you are so that we can continue to understand. We may not still rock with you, but we want to see that you still love us. And I think that is one of the most important qualities that people did feel for Malcolm, that even in him trying to figure out his own life and the dangers with his own family and, and everything that, you know, it almost seems superhuman, you know, for him to be able to continue to push through, that you could still feel a love for the people as he was trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. If I can just flip on that as well, um, uh, we've talked about many of the challenges, but I also see uh, a great benefit as well with this era and having so much information available. Malcolm went through an extensive period of, of education, a time of education where he came to understand he already had a foundation, but there was an educating uh, period in his life. And with what we have available today, someone coming up, can have that education where they can make sure that they are more politically astute. So I would say that's definitely uh, a benefit of this era to someone who has been called to such is there is no, no uh, excuse for not being informed, for not educating yourself. Now, of course, we know everything that out is out there is not accurate and is some bull, but still, in terms of educating yourself politically, culturally, making yourself aware so that as a leader, you have those bases covered, I think someone coming up now would, would benefit from that. I, I think um, as far as being able to market yourself, because make no mistake about it, any time we're doing any work in the movement, if it's not marketed, then nobody knows you exist. Mm -hmm. 
I think uh, the opportunities are great. Um, there's no way I could have published the number of books that I've published if I had to go through the gatekeepers in mainstream publishing, if there was no ability to, to self-publish. So there's a great opportunity uh, even to get your work out. You know, the autobiography of Malcolm X could have been done a million times over if he was able to self-publish. Mm -hmm. So what what more would he have been able to put out there? You know what I mean? So there's a, a grand opportunity as long as, and, and for us who are activists, uh, revolutionaries, uh, we should be looking at these youth, and it's funny we're saying youth because Malcolm was not a youth right. when he was active, right? Mm -hmm. When he first became active, but uh, to grasp hold of these youth and, and people with youthful energy who want to lead and share what we have, you know, people who are sane and, and really care for their people. Uh, for me, that's the rubric. If you care for your people, do your work. Uh, you know, one of the big indicators that be careful for your people is, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, they get on and they're warring with other people who are doing the same work as them. I don't see that as, 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 as them loving themselves or their people. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times today, too, we have, uh, I, would, I would say, since the destruction, let's say, of the Panthers in the 60s and 70s, 70s movement, what's sort of been replaced as a sort of lesser derivative of what started. So you have folks who they do the militancy, but they don't have the work behind it, right? Uh -oh, and so uh -oh. it's all about shouting out and saying things, but they don't got a program, they're not doing anything in the streets, yeah. um, but they may have 4,000 or 40,000 or 400,000 YouTube followers or whatever. You got folks on the around in blue jackets, uh, never did no work, they do stage the rest, but they got millions of followers and they got all over mainstream media, right? So, and folks are picking our leadership for us, right? They're, we're not picking our, our own leadership. They're not coming indigenously from sort of the communities and, and rising up uh, and doing things that makes them notice in the communities. It's almost like they put themselves in front of, uh, of our communities with the help of sort of liberal corporate media that says, this is now your leader, right? So. Uh, I think that's something else that we have to over Malcolm. Somebody like a Malcolm has to overcome to even challenge to get that kind of response that other folks are now naturally getting because the New York Times will do an interview with them or CNN will do an interview with them. It only adds to the fact that they are now considered leadership, even though they don't have that track record of leadership in our community. Yeah. So this is what we're going to do real quick. Um, our great producer, Knock Over. Give it up for Knock Over here. Knock Doctors in the house. And our brother Luce, this is our, our, our crew right here. Uh, Luce. Producers. Playback sound. And, and we, have, we have Brian the intern. Brian, that's the smoothest brother. Man, Brian it, talks like this. He's like, yeah, I'm so happy to be here, man. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> I said, Brian, man, we glad you came through. He said, that's why I moved to Atlanta. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, do the Brian the intern. Um, for this particular moment, we usually have a, uh, we have a thing we do called Knockers Nonsense. And Naka, um, who happens to be a philosopher of Morris Brown, <laughs> one of the reasons Morris Brown followed it, but, um, <laughs> but um, he usually has a question. We happen to call it Naka's Nonsense yes. because nine out of ten times you reach your hand in that bowl, it's going to be some nonsense. Oh, <laughs> so anyway, so today... I didn't even notice there was a bowl. That, yes, mean, Naka forgetting okay. the bowl, <laughs> we yeah. have a cup. 
Alright. I think it's the cup, this cup he'll be drinking out tonight when he has his after party. Oh, please let him read it. Can I be? Please let him oh, read yes. it? Well, yes. I can read, so that's Oh, you read? read oh, okay. This guy's gonna read. read. I don't want to embarrass you. Let's pray. Oh. Let's go. Thank you. Alright. <laughs> he reads Braille. I don't. From the R, the E, the G, F. Exactly. He's he talking about No. Is <laughs> <laughs> it Bernie Madoff? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I just want to see what he. I just want to see what he got. Usually, yeah, we ask one question. Today, Naka just got his purple writing, and we don't know what's going on. Okay, this is ridiculous as a question, <laughs> but I'm going to play with it. I'm going to okay, intro, quite all right. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a ridiculous question. Before we go to break. Before, before we okay. Go to break. We're so, gonna ask before we go to break, or we're gonna just ask the question. Just ask the question. I'm asking, and then we're gonna ask when we come back. Okay, so this question is more about. I, I need to set up the question just very briefly. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's more about sort of your ideological stance, I think, than it is about anything else. Because um, otherwise, it's gonna be. Think of it like that, because otherwise, it's gonna be like. Wait, out, before you read it. Wrap it, wrap it. You, you ever go to the movies that have 3D glasses? Whenever knockers read it, we suggest you smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> about 20 minutes. And then come back and answer the question. Good. All right. Malcolm Martin Marcus, who had the best strategy? Well, as wow. as he actually wrote, who had best strategy? But I wanted to not <laughs> look at Who had the best strategy? Boris Brown. There you go. All right. So we're going to go to this quick break for how many minutes? A couple minutes. We're going to do a couple minutes break. So if you want to stretch, get a drink, go 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 <laughs> go smoke so you can answer not a question, <laughs> and then come back. We'll be good. Happening renegade coaches in the building. We back, back, back. Yes, Kamal's yeah, black, black, black. Kamal's like echo that. is whack, whack, whack. Anyway, anyway, um, I'm your host, Kalaji Changa, alongside this young man we picked up as we was running on Monday. Franklin. Yes, yes, yes. I want to give it up for Kamal because Kamal, as a co-host for the last 33 shows. I would just like to say Excuse that he me? started right. off, when he first started off, he was kind of nervous. What? We had a couple other co-hosts, Ooh. you know what I mean? Um, nervous? One of them was lame, but Kamal got rid of him. You yeah, know what I mean? I was the hatchet man. <laughs> he, he was the hatchet man or you the hatchet man? I think you, I had the hatchet. You definitely like, the hatchet okay, man. We got to cut this. Cut but anyway, this I'm not going to talk about that guy. You but anyway, did, though. I know, who cares? But anyway, when Kamal first started out, he was so nervous. Okay. Again? And he was so. Again? He was so. He's got a whole routine. Unsharp. Going on. <laughs> <laughs> Can I jump to Naka's nonsense? No. <laughs> we dealing with his nonsense right now. True, true. Anyway, give Naka nonsense a shot. All right, yeah. So let's do this question real quick. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to read it grammatically correct and because, yo, you threw a, oh, that's not an I, that's a comma, my bad. Malcolm Martin Marcus, who had the best strategy? So that's an open question for our panelists and then we might ask a couple of our, um, our studio audience members if they wanted to comment on it to do that. Well, before you ask, you, it's Naka's questions. So we gotta yeah. make sure it's not Malcolm Jamal Warner, Martin Lawrence, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jewel. Marcus Jewel. Coleman. So we gotta make sure. Marcus. Okay, we'll make sure. Go ahead, brother. True that, true that. So yeah. you guys, if you guys would have and maybe think of it from an ideological standpoint in terms of what ideology do you think moves us most forward? Not all at once now. <laughs> Not all at once. <laughs> I'm going to jump in. I'm going to say no, Malcolm. No, no. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I really wasn't raised to um, focus on or idolize one particular mm -hmm. individual. Um, I was raised to pay attention to ideologies that were porous and um, collective in their perspective and understood where our people were. So from a Garvey perspective, you know, we were raised to celebrate you know, our African origins, um, the Pan-African perspective, and really understanding the connectivity and the strength in connecting to people of African descent, wherever we were. Um, and we had pictures up, we had a black and white um, image up in this cream frame hanging on my dad's office wall of Malcolm, but it was um, El-Hajj Malik al-Shabazz was the name underneath it. And so my father always promoted, you know, the evolution of Malcolm and how his ideology had to evolve with his understanding. And so um, there wasn't um, a selection yeah, of yeah. who did what better. It was more so be well read, be understanding of, of what they're all bringing to the table. And then from a Martin Luther King standpoint, um, mm. it's cold. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you wore it, nice suits. No, 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 no. I, I think that there's, as I said before, there's something to be said for understanding where your people are. Mm -hmm. And based upon his upbringing, he had a very clear understanding of what could inspire and move and feed the people that he was familiar with from his framework. Mm -hmm. And I think we do every leader a disservice when we don't appreciate what um, they brought to the table based upon their exposure. And so I really was not raised to uh, favor one or the mm -hmm. other. Uh, when I walk, I walk with each of those perspectives. However, you know, when, when, mm -hmm. when an alpha male grown man raises you <laughs> as a black woman, you are not going to um, bring flowers to a gunfight. Wow. So, now, like now, Anana just totally dismantled <laughs> and destroyed <laughs> Naka's thoughts. Naka sitting over there like, I didn't really want to ask that question. You <laughs> told me to ask it. So, but, but I think the significance, though, is, is how do you, because you made a good point about your personal ideology. You know, what do you need to care for yourself? What, what is it that you critically need to say that you are safe? What do you critically need to say that you are exercising the dreams um, and aspirations of your ancestors and how they, you know, sacrifice for you to, to be here, you know? And then also, what what place from a, um, a faith perspective, what what part do you play in forwarding this, this greater vision of who and how we can be absent of being oppressed 
as a people. So I think all of those three things really make up my critical self-care plan as an activist. And it's not based upon a particular uh, terminology or framework. It's based upon how Anana was raised, what Anana's critical needs are as a black person, a woman, a child of God, everything that encompasses who I am and it's not residing in one person. Mm -hmm. What says you, Ra? I'll say, you know, um, Malcolm surely was influenced by Garvey, right? Um, we're talking about Marcus Garvey in the 1920s standing up and, and saying that we're African. You're talking yeah. 1926, 1924? Yeah. He was hard as nails. You know, uh, as hard as Malcolm was. We're talking 30 years before that in America, in America that hated him, even when he tried to become part of the NAACP, you're too dark, right? <laughs> so this dark-skinned man doing what he did Talk about it. and influenced all of these different movements, right? Even the Nation of Islam, you know, Elijah Muhammad was influenced by Garvey. I, I, I would say Garvey, just from the body of work he put in and his influence of all of us, we're standing on his shoulders, you know, uh, and everybody that we probably idolize was standing on his shoulders. So I would I would have to say Garvey um, because I was thinking, well, I would say my ideology is a combination of Malcolm's and Garvey's, but then I had to look where Malcolm got his from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, somewhat similar for me. Um, I grew up in a very um, strong Pan-Africanist family, and we were also. Muslim. My father converted to Islam because of Malcolm X specifically. So I, I would say I, I follow somewhere between Malcolm and Marcus. I'm a little stronger on the Martin, uh, sorry, the, the Malcolm side of things because, you know, I just am. <laughs> With regard to uh, Martin, in, in terms of seeing his ideology as a strategy, Okay, um, it just was not, it's not something that I ascribe to. Um, but for what it was, it was a strategy. And, and also we gotta realize that Martin knew that that was a strategy as well. And that it was not necessarily who he was in terms of, you know, when we see where he stood when he spoke out against Vietnam and some other things, it was a strategy, yeah. and understanding it. Yeah, he evolved also. Right? Yeah, he, understanding he, yeah. it is that cool, but I'm I'm Malcolm. Right, and, and, and I, I would say um, definitely I'm more Garvey Malcolm as well. Um, the thing I, I I can unite around and respect about King was his bravery. You know what I mean? Being brave, saying you're gonna be nonviolent, being in places like Chicago, getting rock stone upside your head, um, having to deal with J. Edgar Hoover direct, um, you know, also with growth, you know what I mean? As he learned, he worked with like the SNCC, SNCC, you know what I mean? And Kwame and, and Rap Brown and folks like that, mm -hmm. where he rubbed shoulders with that revolutionary side of things, you know what I mean? And at the same time, when the whole war in Vietnam situation was coming about, it was, it was a time that he began to grow and to understand that this nonviolent thing is not going to be the only solution. And he was strapped. A lot of folks mm -hmm. think that, you know, Martin was just walking around <laughs> with that Bible, but that Bible had more than just, you know, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know what I mean? It had some other, some still with it. And that's that's important because of the fact that, you know, he, um, in Islam, they say, uh, trust in Allah, but tie your camel. In other words, you can have faith. You can believe in what you want to believe in, a higher power, but you don't just go walking out in the middle of Brooklyn at, uh, or, or, or in, in, uh, in Chicago at 2 in the morning to go get a foot long. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> things could happen. You know what I mean? Or not. Or not happen. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, <laughs> so, you know, so I, I definitely, like I said, more of Garvey and Malcolm, but at the same time, you know, I, I often have a problem, like I was talking to this cat the other day, and one thing he was talking about was, um, he's talking about, man, you know, folks be talking about marching, you know, back in the 60s, I couldn't be sitting at no counters, I couldn't be marching this and that. So I said, hey, well, what, what was your parents doing? He got quiet. Were they involved in active struggle? No? Okay, so marching and doing something is better than sitting and doing nothing. You can criticize on the sideline and talk about who ain't doing what, but you been, damn sure they better be doing more than what they doing, or close to it. That's how I see it. Okay, I did want to um, add a little bit to the discussion around strategies, you know, and who's doing what when. A lot of the work that we do at the Sister Care Alliance looks at this notion of critical self-care and social justice work. And you look at activists who are from my father's time, and that's not that far back, right? And you look at what it's done to them. Right, the price that's paid and the lack of critical self-care for those who have the love of the people and the choice to, to sacrifice. And then from a mass perspective, this, this um, expectation that everyone is going to find that level of, of courage and decision to sacrifice and decision to not um, go work at a job to make money, to put food on the table as a form of revolutionary family care, but uh, to, you know, um, move in a way that in their mind is, is helping what they think, right? And then you've got those activists that are on the fringe that are pushing for us to understand we're dynamic enough, intelligent enough, and coalition possible enough to do more. Mm -hmm. But they need that help. And if you are struggling from a critical self-care perspective, if you're struggling spiritually, emotionally, financially, socially, if you're struggling, it's very difficult to move from this uh, place of how do I just take care of what I'm handling to a place of activism. And then how do you look at taking care of yourself as a form of activism? How do you look at taking care of your family and having strong black families as a form of activism in and of itself? That's why I really feel like if we cannot understand the beauty in coming together from a coalition perspective to make sure that more than one thing is being handled at a time, I went, then, then I think we'll, we're going to have a hard time. I went and spoke at uh, Howard University's alumni club for Atlanta recently. And um, shout out to the bison out there. Thank you. Uh, right Come here. on now. Oh, hell no. All right, that's an issue moment. It's a small introduction. We didn't know. We didn't know. Hell's going on right now. That's why they invited us on this. It's a bison moment. This will be edited out in the broadcast. I feel like the white guy in the room, like, all right. But my, but my dad was a part of the, the Southern University um, 
student riots. And those were his friends that were killed. Um, he was one of the leaders, and he was kicked out along with my mother. Um, ended up having a hitchhike, and then he ended up at Howard. And when he got to Howard, he's an electrical engineering major in the Valley, right? Um, and he had to shift. He had lost so much. And when they were students at Southern, he would tell me stories about them driving from, you know, Louisiana to go to other places to sit and just learn from other activists, strategies. Um, there were times where he ended up uh, being arrested and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund was the only way that my father even made it out of Louisiana as opposed to being locked up. And understanding and hearing his stories and his transition from sacrificing to needing to raise his, his children and grow his family and then the choices that we made as a family that allowed me to then go to Howard, you start to have a lot more compassion for people who um, are struggling with those choices. And then what organizations are creating spaces where people can come in, feel like they're not sure if they can do it. Feel like if they don't, uh, that they don't have the path to taking care of themselves, their families, and being revolutionaries. What organizations exist that say, come on in. We're not here to persecute you. We're not here to put you down. We're not here to talk bad about what you're not doing. We're here to walk you through what it is to take care of yourself and participate in social justice activities. So that was one of the things that I spoke at at the alumni um, uh, meeting. And it was so nice uh, to see how happy they were to talk about the juxtaposition of how do you care for yourself and still um, exert this activism. I don't think it's talked about enough. Let's, I mean, let's jump in on, a, on that point because I think uh, I heard audience members talking a little bit earlier, and we wanted to bring this up anyway, around also sort of the non-profitization of movement activity these days, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, mixed in with celebrity culture. Yeah. But how movements now are built off of uh, people thinking maybe too much, like it's almost like the pendulum might have swung so much over where the sacrifice of doing things because you have an ideological perspective, because yeah. um, you have a perspective around liberation is now somewhat sacrificed to uh, this This work is a good job. Mm -hmm. This work means I get to feed my family. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as this nonprofit loses its money, I'm not still doing this work because I got to move on to the next job. And so it's almost like the, you know, and, and a lot of this is based on the history of the success of the 60s and 70s, and some people term it as, you know, the police and COINTELPRO and the FBI used hard power, where foundations came in and used soft power. Mm -hmm. They used the dollars to say, hey, we can we can make this work for you, um, and you can make a good living. Yeah. We just need, in some ways, maybe not directly said so, mm -hmm. but let's just do this policy thing. Let's just focus strictly on this policy thing, because we can make changes um, that are needed for your community if we change some laws and let's work it that way, right? So I think that kind of stuff has sort of come into our movement and our struggle and in some ways replace some of the militant action that maybe would take a lot of our folks and, and sort of bring us in. We, we want to take some uh, audience uh, participation, questions, comments. Um, we, we have enough panelists, so don't get carried away. We just need a question or a comment, a statement. I'm just saying, you know, you go to somebody and judge. And furthermore, we like 20 minutes later. <laughs> but anyway, um, I guess we're supposed to have a microphone in the audience. But you want to bring her up? Or? I see you. Okay. She's pretty loud. Sorry. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Earlier we were talking about transparency and accountability and evolution. And I just wonder how you all feel about an activist right to have a personal life 
um, and have a private life. And I would like for you all to dis discuss that in the context of having boundaries and, um, you know, being able to have their life life separate from their work. Or in this day and age of social media, can their private life be separate from their work? Thank you. I, I don't think it should be. Um, I, I know for me, the, the work that we do in Urban Survival Preparedness Institute, African Marshall Arts Institute, uh, because I know people's families, then I know they have more at stake. Um, as somebody that's dealing in a, in a revolutionary work and dealing with issues of war, it's necessary that we know that and that they know my family. So I'm very transparent with that. Plus, you know, my wife has shared me with a lot of people. My children shared me with a lot of people. Yeah. So it's necessary that my family knows them, knows who I'm being shared with, so they know the value and that people know my wife, know my children. You know, and I don't want my son walking down the street and doing whatever or runs into whatever trouble and there's nobody who can protect him because I don't even know who he is. Mm -hmm. So I prefer for me that people know and, and I'm transparent in that, you know. Uh, that you meet my family, my children, my grandchildren. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's a separation either. I don't think that um, regardless of social media, I think that you try to protect and safeguard them. You know what I mean? There's certain folks with me, um, you know, cadre-wise, uh, comrades, so on and so forth, you know, I, of course I'm willing to share. I'm a little more, you know, standoffish in certain instances because of the fact that I know that Everybody don't love me, you know what I mean? And I know that coming from uh, that other side of the fence, that street side, I know that, you know, there was times when, um, you know, if, if you can't get such and such, well, that's his brother right there, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Or you can't get blah, 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 that's his sister. Now, some of you looking at me like, damn, this, I can't believe you say that. No, it's the reality of life, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, the rest of the world don't think like everybody in this room, you know what I mean? And I think that, um, you know, it, it's important for us to know that um, when you put yourself out there, you've put yourself out there. You know what I mean? And yes, you have to have thick skin. You know, I was joking earlier about the whole slander campaign thing or whatever. There was times that I wanted to, to stop because when you do this work right here, there's times when no one is with you. There's times when everybody is turning back because some people are looking for the opportunity you know what I mean? We're in such a sick state of reality that even the fighters want to be looked at as a better fighter than the other fighters. Yeah. We are slaves on the same damn ship and we argue about who got the biggest chains and who got whipped the most. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, this, this is the psychosis that we're dealing with right now. You have organizations that are more interested in looking like the best. You know what I mean? The thing that, what we represent, the majority of us at this table, is when we talk about nation building as far as the Alpha movement, we are serious about our livelihood and those who come after us. You know what I mean? We're in a situation where folks are like, well, you know, this might not happen in this lifetime. Well, I got children and grandchildren, so am I going to be so selfish that, you know what I mean, I'm not going to fight because of the fact that I'm not going to reap the benefits? You know what I mean? If our ancestors, if the Harriet Tubmans and the Shaka Zulus and the Malcolms, the Martins and, 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 uh, and, and, and Marcus and all those folks, if they didn't sacrifice, then we might be a step back into the cotton field right now. 
You know what I mean? We should be grateful that folks like our political prisoners in this lifetime, we've been able to see folks walk up out the cage. For a long time, us as activists, it was rare to see a political prisoner get unleashed. It was a rare thing. In the last five, six years, it's been damn near half dozen at least. You know what I mean? That's been an honorable thing. We have been fighting so long with names on pieces of paper saying free such and such for decades. And it seemed like, and, and folks were telling us, well, we know they're never going to get out. You know this person's never going to get out. So transparency, you know, who you are, we stand strong on the fact that we are, are, are freedom fighters. You know what I mean? We love our people. Unfortunately, it's the gift and the curse because of the fact that we love our people more than we love ourselves sometimes, and that's where the whole self-care situation is necessary. And, and if I can just add to that, I, I would say that there's no separation um, as well because for me in particular, what you see is what you get. I don't want to present or project something else out there and then behind closed doors, I'm something totally different. Um, I think all of those things need to align. And so I want to be transparent with what my private life is as well as what uh, my public life is. And also I think when you don't have that in place, that's where you set yourself up for legacies to be dismantled. So you have a situation like a Bill Cosby, or you have a situation even like Martin when we you know, find out about the infidelities. And even some people have tried to you know, do those sorts of things with, with Malcolm as well. Um, I think when you're transparent, now that, that doesn't mean you go let everybody know what you do in any <laughs> house, you know. I'm not saying to that degree, but I am saying that your private life and your public life, they need to be congruent to, to certain degrees so that you don't somewhere down the line have you build this, you know, huge legacy and then somebody can, again, like we talked about earlier, come up with, hey, what about this? And it all crumbles. You know, because people are are looking looking to you and looking for for that leadership there. Okay, um, we want to thank you all for coming out here today. Uh, I just got the producer Naka. He knows how to count all of a sudden, so <laughs> <laughs> he he just gave me the wrap it up sign. So that means that um, we're going to uh, give some contacts and um, last words. Yeah, and um, you know we're going to take some quick photos and. Shout outs and um, you know, we appreciate y'all coming out. We want to thank our guests for coming out. Give it up for our guests, please. I'm thinking that we might should do this more often. What do y'all think? Do y'all yeah. like the, the open? Yeah. Yeah. Cool, so that, that may be something that we can work out, perhaps. Um, this is our 33rd show right here. I know, it's, you know, it's so, a lot. Um, yeah. I have to sit with you 33 times. I know. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever been able to do that before. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, man. I'm like, why? Every week, like, I'm like, why the hell am I with this dude? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, my slow? Maybe. But anyway, um, we can give out some context and what, what are some things coming up. We have an event tomorrow, matter of fact, that uh, Balagoon can hit y'all with. Uh, tomorrow is the Sisters Safety and Self Defense Symposium. Uh, it's Sisters Teaching Sisters. Uh, hosted by the African Martial Arts Institute. Uh, I'll be there just to get beat up on by sisters and then to give <laughs> some technical uh, stuff towards the end of it, uh, some technical direction a little bit. But other than that, I'll keep my mouth shut, which is hard for me, and uh, the sisters will teach. So that's tomorrow. If you want to reach me, you can um, reach me on Facebook. 
just Balogun, O J Tade, B O B A L O G U N, O J E T A D E. I'm the only one. So uh, you can find me there. Um, you can look up African Martial Arts Institute or at African Martial Arts on Instagram. Uh, I'm there. If you are into science fiction and fantasy, chroniclesofharriet.com is my website. Um, that's how you find me. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, for me, uh, my last few words would be simply just let's be aware of, of Facebook activism. Let's go beyond that. The presence is important, but it has to be backed up with the education as well as the action. Um, that said, uh, you can reach me at Facebook. I am <laughs> like I'm not on Twitter. Well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm I'm really super bad with that. So Facebook Ra A Kareem Kinsey. That's K A R I M hyphen K I N C E Y on Facebook, and then um, my book No Mo Rhyme and Reason: uh, The Rhetorical Significance of Hip Hop Culture Through Its Element of Hip Hop Music is on Amazon and several other book, online book outlets. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel like I had so much more I wanted to talk about. You said a whole lot. I did, I did, I know. She's like in front of her. I know. I wish it would. I know. But um, <laughs> I do appreciate the invite. Um, my, my only um, final word is just I hope we all extend ourselves enough to learn through coalition building more. I really hope that more organizations that care about black people in different ways invite other organizations to attend um, strategy sessions, have them over for dinner. Let's get back to um, the invitation of why don't you come to my house, let's sit down, let's talk, bring your family, bring your people, um, and let's just break bread and talk about what our critical needs are and then build from there. I think it, it, we do all of ourselves a disservice when we stop doing that but expect the results of something like that. So my a book is Self-Care Matters, A Revolutionary's Approach. It's been out since December 2016. Oh, telling me the producer saying to hold it up. Um, <laughs> it uh, describes why revolutionary for our people, uh, why self-care, excuse me, is revolutionary for our people, how to create a strategic self-care plan, how to create self-care support groups in your own organization, and it's practical, it's applicable, um, it's not lofty, you know, go get a massage, that's not what this is. It's really strategic and it breaks down how this is one of the ways that they're winning. Again, uh, this is one of, one of the ways that they're really beating us down. So that is this book. And we have a partnership with Giwai Mata, Sister Care Alliance, and Giwai Mata. We're hosting a Black Women Walking um, event, Black Women Walking ATL. We're going to be teaching critical self-care principles on, during the walk, and then we're going to give social justice updates at the end of the walk. It's going to be at the Beltline on March 10th. You can go to my Instagram, which is Anana, A-N-A-N-A-H, Paris, P-A-R-R-I-S. Um, that's me everywhere. And then you can also go to sistercarealliance.org. Nice, Thank nice, you. nice. Uh, can Renegade Culture do a black men's following? Yeah, black men. <laughs> yeah, yes, you can. Yeah, we're we gonna be doing the foot walk, featuring knocker. Well, <laughs> we we are welcoming we are welcoming brothers to bring water, 
um, bring sisters, bring your mom, bring your auntie. When you watch black women um, break down, um, then this is a wonderful place for you to support them, to attend. It's a free walk. Yeah. Not um, always bring food, down bring water, any way that you want to support us. I'm going to completely ignore what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, good. Here. I'm glad you One decided. Last, yeah. Yeah. I forgot uh, my, my radio show. Right. Yeah. I, I wonder, like, sorry. Yes. WRFG, like radio <laughs> WRFG 89.3 FM, and I am on Wednesday mornings, 10 a.m. Cool. Yeah. And the show's dope, too. It's not Thank you. Yeah, yes. like a lot of these other shows. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we have a number of different things. Um, yeah, I mean, we got renegadeculture.org if you want to yes. follow us. Uh, SiafoMovement.org if you yes, want to follow us. Uh, you want to donate. Spell it out for me because a lot of people spell it. S-I-A-F-U-M-O Movement. M.O. Movement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not movement. That's not hard. Not org. Yeah. Um, so we might do that to go out. Yeah, let's yeah, do the, yeah. We might do the thing. Or the peoplesarmy.org. Peoplesarmy.org. Um, if you want to make donations to the work that we do here in terms of our media work at Renegade Culture, the Seattle Movement, go to communitymovementbuilders.org and you can make a donation. Uh, we need the support. We love the support. Part of the reason why we wanted to do this program too is that we believe that we're acting in the legacy of Malcolm X um, and other freedom fighters from our history and our past. And we think that this work is critical to how we're gonna move in the future. So we need a media arm, we need a street arm, we need to be on social media, we need to be doing campaign work, we need to create programs and other things in our community that's gonna support how we need to build in the future. So we wanna thank you guys for coming out and supporting and support Renegade Culture. Right off, Renegade Culture, we out. What up, the song? Oh, the R, the E, the N, the E, the G, the A, the D, the E, it's Renegade. Oh, Renegade Culture. I told you it, bitch.